You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with his cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. We have a great guest tonight. Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big Podcast is back. We love having you on here. Welcome. Oh, man. I I love being on probably more than you love having me on. Uh, like we were talking about before we started recording, um, you know, back the ESPN days where they would have like Stephen A. Smith or whatever and fighting each other. I never liked that. But when you guys start laying into each other, it is the most entertaining part of any podcast. You guys are professionals when you're chewing into each other. It's it's fantastic. Well, it helps when you're family because, you yes. know, it's like you can get away with it with your family. You know, it's like, <laughs> you guys have been doing this since like the Reagan administration. I can feel it. Yeah. You know, you've been doing it forever. I, I, I will tell you, I will tell you this. A few of those arguments have led to not talking to each other for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're going to start talking to each other. Oh, again absolutely. We're always going to start talking again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we got a great show planned tonight. We're going to be talking some conference realignment. We're going to be talking Nebraska and Big Ten West stuff. Uh, but in in the midst of all of this, ch- all these changes in college football with conference realignment, realignment, I want to go back, you know, to 2011 when Nebraska was joining the Big Ten. What were your thoughts, you being a Big Ten guy? What were your thoughts on Nebraska joining? So first off, got to get this out of the way here. Give me one second. Uh, yes. That came through. Okay. I, I, I love that sound. I, I wanted to finally add to that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is honestly the, the conversation I think is really interesting. I can't wait to hear your guys' feedback. So this would have been 2009 or 10, right? I mean, it was a good year or two before you, you joined the conference when it got leaked out that, that Nebraska was joining the Big Ten. So, you know, I got great coworkers that I work with now, but this is like, you know, 10, 12 years ago or whatever, the company I was working for then. And uh, it's up in Minnesota. And everybody I worked with was Minnesota guys, except for me and my buddy Russ, who is a huge Nebraska fan. Uh, and go figure, we were the only college football fans amongst all those Minnesotans, you know. That's pretty much how that was. Um, so ever, so Russ and I would go at it all the time for Iowa and Nebraska stuff, but that was always when Iowa and Nebraska were in different conferences. Um, so I, I don't know how I heard it. That was long before I was on Twitter, but I started hearing the rumors that Nebraska was going to join the big 10. And I want to preface this by saying, I, I love Russ. Uh, he's a great dude. Uh, but when I told him about the rumor, he said, oh, shut up, Jeff. That's just you and your stupid Big Ten fans. They got nothing better to talk about than this bullshit, you know? <laughs> and I died laughing. And I'm like, Russ, dude, I I, I think it's going to happen. I was I was driving down Old Shakopee Road. I can, show you, I can tell you right where I was at when we were having the conversation. And then, you know, a couple weeks later or something like that, it became official. And long story short, I mean, Russ was pissed, you know, I mean, and he, he was, he was quite a bit older than me. You know, I was like in my uh, early thirties, he was like pushing 50, I think. So, you know, he had definitely been around and been a Nebraska fan for a long time. And, um, 
that was his reaction was he, he didn't like it. You know, he, he did not want to join the Big Ten. I feel like there is some revisionist history when I hear Nebraska fans talking about it on how they felt 10, 12 years ago or whatever. I'm just curious to to know what you guys thought about it individually. I'll go first. I was like this. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, I mean, the perception I had prior to us joining the Big Ten was, oh, my God, can you imagine having to watch Big Ten football? It was boring. It's what you think of Wisconsin, even to this day, being like they just run up the middle. Um, you know, and, and then there was also the rivalry aspect of it. There was, you know, we grew up and I mean, God, I mean, Justin lived in Texas and Derek lived down in Texas and. You have the personal things. And my grandma used to hate Colorado with a passion. And like, I used to remember that. It's just, there was just all this history and it was just gone. And so, yeah, I don't know what Nebraska revisionists that were like on the bandwagon, but I, I don't know those. That, that wasn't my circle. Derek. I all agree with everything Tyler said. I will, I will say this while I was in the army, I had a buddy. who was a big Penn state fan. Big Penn State fan. We talked shit back and forth about the Big Ten and Big Twelve. Of course, Big Twelve was quite a bit better at, at, at that moment in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. Oklahoma was still going around. Kansas State was 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 playing really well. Nebraska was still relevant. And then, I mean, the Big Ten still was well, they were what they were. But we we went back and forth for for four years about which conference was better. Yeah. So when we first when we first got there, he was the first phone call I made. I'm like, hey, we're coming to kick Penn State's ass. And then sure as shit, we get <laughs> in there and then all the dark, dark things happened at Penn State. <laughs> and I, I, we we, we kind of lost touch a little bit after that. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with Tyler. When the, fir- when the first uh, initial rumors came out, Nebraska was going to the Big Ten. It was, oh, my God, Big Ten football. Really? I kind of want. I don't want to go watch that every week. And it's changed. It's changed. My my perception has definitely changed, but it took being in the conference to change it. Yeah. So Jeff, I told you in a previous conversation that back then when this happened, I didn't respect Big Ten football. You know, I, I lived here in Texas, uh, right here in Waco, and you know I could see the long see games uh, in Austin, College Station. I've been out to me. Derek, we made a terrible trip out to uh, Lubbock. For a game, or and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, games you can see, see Nebraska play here in the Big 12. But uh, yeah, I never respected the Big Ten. I, I hated their style of football. I mean, it was this type of football you turn on early at 11 a.m. and you see like you know, like a 10 to 7 slobber knocker. You know, <laughs> that that was that was about it. So headed there, I hated it just because I wouldn't be able to see my team in person all the time and you know, join a boring conference. And I think, so that, that's how I knew Nebraska fans and how they felt about the big 10. I mean, that's what Russ and my conversations were, you know, previous to Nebraska joining the big 10. Um, if you'd have asked me, or if, we'd, if I'd have had this conversation with three Nebraska fans at that time, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it would have a completely different flavor to it. Um, that's, that's me getting to know Nebraska fans a little bit more. I would say that that's probably you guys getting to know the the conference, the Big Ten conference, a little bit more. Things have changed over time. But um, I, I would say this, uh, your perception 
of how slow I've, I've got quotation marks going. The Big Ten was from the outside was I can assure you was drastically overstated. Um, I was on the field in the you know late 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> I can assure you there was a lot of speed on the field uh, during Big Ten games. Was it more physical based? Yes. I'm, I'm not trying to say it wasn't. But, you know, Purdue with Joe Tiller was was throwing the ball all over the place. Ohio State has always had speed. Michigan has always thrown the ball downfield at the time. I mean, there was definitely a lot of teams uh, that played, you know, a, a more uh, wide open style of offense. But, you know the thought process of fans outside of a conference. I don't know if it ever goes away. I think you guys probably have a sense of that now, Twitter and whatnot, the overstating of things. I mean, the entire big 10 West sucks. Uh, I, I, uh, I was in a, uh, a thread that uh, big game boomer had me on with Ohio state fans. I mean, there was Florida state fans attacking Ohio state, you know, like saying how disappointing Ohio state is. This is coming from a Florida state fan. I'm not making it up. And basically the general, the uh, conversation was everybody in the big 10 sucks, except for Ohio state. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it was ridiculous back in 1996. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous now, but it, it does take literally being in the conference, joining that family before you can appreciate, you know, what it is on the inside and how you used to view it on the outside. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I think there's a lot of conference rivalries. I mean, once you're part of a conference and you're established in the conference, you think every other conference is inferior to your own. You know, you see that with the sec, big 10, all of those, you know, the back and forth there, the, the FSU to Ohio state is pretty, that's pretty comical. comical. It's comical. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic, I think. So, so that's one side of it. The other side of it, too, is I did not appreciate this at the time. You know, so 2010 and 11 when it was going down and you join. Because um, really the only thing that changed for, for an Iowa fan or a Wisconsin fan or a Minnesota fan, our schedules pretty much look the exact same. It's just that now we were playing Nebraska. Everything looked different. For, for Nebraska fans, um, you know, you could probably uh, uh, sit next to a USC fan a couple years from now and you guys could tell stories, you know, about how different it, it's, it will have been for them at that time, you know, and how long story short is I just didn't spend any time appreciating how I, I don't know if this is the right word, but tra- traumatic it, it is for a fan base especially one that's as committed to their football program as obviously Nebraska fans are. It just sucks. I mean, that just is not how college football is supposed to be getting ripped from your rivals. I don't know. I just, it just makes you feel icky. Well, and and I I just got to say something. So it's hard to change conferences. So I, I I thought about this the other day, like, so conference realignment is really kind of a newer phenomenon, but it's been going on for, Prior to Nebraska, you had Miami and Vodtech leaving the Big East. Um, you know, you had uh, obviously the Nebraska, A&M, Missouri. Who's the most successful team to leave their conference and join a new one in the last 25 years? I mean, would it be A&M? A&M kind of had that run with Johnny Manziel and SEC that one year. 
Hold on, hold on. Before you, before you say that, their success was beating Alabama. That was their I, success. I, but, okay. That, but that probably put them in the top five because it's like they're getting way over credit. But actually, you're both right team. because that's how low the bar is. A&M just finally beating Alabama might be, you know, the watershed moment for, for teams that have changed conferences. Because as soon as Miami left the Big East, they went to shit. Nebraska has never found their footing in the Big Ten. I mean, I mean, it's just and you know, Nebraska gets all the headlines about not finding their way. And not that Maryland and Rutgers are anywhere in that category. They haven't done shit in the conference. I think they've made one bowl combined, maybe two. Like they, they have made no impact in the Big Ten. It's just, it's oh, I hard. would say, I would almost say Missouri's had more success. Missouri, than Missouri is the good one. They won the, yeah, they, they won the SEC like three won? years in a row or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's a great, it's, it's, that's a great poll. It, it's, 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 it's always hard to give Missouri any credit, but they've, they've probably won more divisions than anybody else has. Yeah, it's a great point. But I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever really been able to put a finger on that phenomenon because I understand there should be a little bit of an adjustment period. But like you guys are doing a good job of pointing out, like it's hard to find anybody that that had quick success and was able to sustain it. Um, by the way, hopefully that plays out with Texas going to the SEC if they get their dick stopped in for the next decade. <laughs> And let's, let's hope that happens because yeah. it couldn't happen to a better team. So let's talk about USC, UCLA here. First, are you and Big Kurt, are you guys ready to cover two more teams on your podcast? <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, it's still two years out. Um, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. I there was there's a decent amount of like USC followers that found me on Twitter right after it went down. That was kind of crazy. Um uh, you know, Iowa just played USC uh, a couple years ago in a in a bowl. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it hasn't probably completely sunk in. Um, uh, like I said on uh, our last pod, I, I wonder if a lot of uh, Big Ten fans feel like this, which is, you know, after Oklahoma and Texas did that to the Big 12, did them dirty and then joined the SEC. I didn't like it. I didn't like it because of what it meant for college football. I didn't like it for what it meant for the Big Ten because I knew the Big Ten fell back, you know, uh, against the SEC. So then I liked it when I heard the news about USC and UCLA. But at the same time, I still don't like it because of the same reasons I didn't like when Oklahoma and Texas left. I know I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth there, but I'm wondering if you guys kind of feel the same way where – you're intrigued. You know it's good for the big, but in the end, we're old college football fans. It just it just doesn't feel right. I'll let you guys take it first. But I, 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 so this was part of the conversation before we started. This was uh, we were talking about some of the smaller schools. You know, we were talking about the Boise States and the TCUs back in the day, and the and it's like, it feels like all this conference expansion. If it ends up going to two conferences, all that dies. All the, all the Cinderella teams die. Because you're not oh, going to have those little schools. You, you just, they're not, they're, they'll be in a different division. They won't even be yeah. in the same. So, I mean, yeah. that, so that some, part of it, that would part say of it really sucks. Some and, would and that say that's of, already the case, but I still think it's closer, you know, now than what we, we hard, could wind hard, up at. I'm sorry. It's, it's hard to say that's a case when Cincinnati just made the playoff last year. Yeah, it's a good point. So, I mean, it, it's hard to say that, that, that it's not still possible, mm. but it, it was very difficult for them to get there. It took a be, It took them beating – Notre Dame to get there. Yeah. Let's face it. That was the only thing on their resume that got them there. Uh, um, 
uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but there was, um, I've already forgot her name, but there was a, a, a journalist from ESPN and she did some in-depth work. And I'll say this, that that ACC grant of rights, I, I don't want to say ironclad, okay, but it is sounding more ironclad than what people realize. And long story short, that crappy deal for the ACC could wind up benefiting us college football fans because I think there's a pretty decent chance that the ACC stays intact for the next decade or so. Is that a good thing? I think it's a good thing because probably right now that's the only thing that's stopping the SEC from rating the ACC. Well, and, 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 the big and, ten, and the Big Ten as well. And I hope I hope you're right because – I think there needs to be at least a four big conferences. You know, I don't need though there has to be five. I think there still needs to be at least a four. If four you get would down be to, fantastic. If you, you get down to two, and it's just NFL light. And I, I don't want to see college football turn into that. Uh, for me, um, uh, like I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a West Virginia person that was like on Reddit or something, and he or she uh, broke down how awful it's been since West Virginia has been ripped away from what, you know, was previously their regional type of conference. And it just broke down, you know, like the excitement of playing somebody new, it's kind of cool at first, but after time you want your old uh, rivals, you know, Um, when you, when you go to, work, you know, and you're sitting around on Monday after the games, you want to fight with, with your rivals, but you know, like, and he talked about how that that's all been gone and it just feels stale and horrible again, you know, like I'm sure you guys felt the same way, um, when you came into the big 10, um, and we're going to have some of that with the PAC 12 and the, uh, big 12, I've been, you know, calling it the 12 pack or the, uh, or the big, the big pack, you know, whatever you want to call it. But like, if, if the ACC can stay together and quite honestly, if Notre Dame can stay independent, I'm totally fine with that. Now I, 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 if they join a conference, don't get me wrong. I want it to be the big, but ultimately I hope they can stay independent because that means we're still holding on to some little bit of normalcy. And, and then you know, the, the Pac-12 and the, and the and the Big 12 kind of make their join together and make make what's left. So don't you think that Notre Dame joining the ACC would be the best way to keep more than two big conferences yes. going? It's a great point. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen with the Big 10 and this Pac-12 merger? I mean, who eats who? Because I think it's really funny. Last year, when all the athletic directors of the Pac-12, Big 10, and ACC when they went on there for this uh, little coalition and alliance, and they were so dismissive of the Big Big Twelve. You know, they're like, "Oh, you know, Bullsby, he's got it. He's a great guy. He'll be able to handle it." And now, I mean, now that I see that uh, the Big Twelve on the verge of like, you know, eating up the remaining Pac-12 teams. I find it really funny. I, I'm kind of rooting for it, actually. But uh, where do you stand yeah. on this? Yeah, I joke that the the alliance is kind of like an alliance on the TV show Survivor. It, it was just an alliance enough to help you to get by for a couple of weeks until you kick somebody off the raft, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that you were just in the alliance with. Um, but in the end, I mean, unfortunately, that ruthfulness, ruthlessness, excuse me, is is what is needed in, in these days. Uh, the Big Ten has just showed it. 
Um, um, I, I think something that I am convinced of now is the Big Ten is holding Pat right now at two. I don't think we're going to hear anything anytime soon. Now, when I say anytime soon, I, I, I think we'll get into the football season without hearing about something. Um, the only way uh, Notre Dame, uh, it changes as if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. I want Notre Dame to join the ACC because it would hold things intact more, but Notre Dame's not joining the ACC unless something drastically changes with the TV deal that the ACC can can garner. Um, so, you know, I, I the Pac-12, um, our last uh, fifth down college football, which is a great follow on Twitter. He was the, our last guest. He, he broke down Pac-12 history really well. Um, I think I ticked him off when I said that the Pac-12 was dying. Unfortunately, he didn't completely change my mind with that because the desire by Pac-12 fans to watch football, it just hasn't been there for 10, 20 years now. Um, I just, the writing was on the wall for the Pac-12. So I think you take what you can get. It's going to be the Big 12 gobbling up the 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 Pac-12 is the way I understand it. And hopefully that stabilizes itself. And that's what it is. That's the four conferences for maybe we can get a decade out of it. Yeah. You know, Pac-12 fans want to talk about an East Coast bias, you know, but Pac-12 fans, they don't even give a shit about those programs. They're not going to see them in the stadiums. And yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like to me when I, when I, I mean, I sit there and think uh, there's probably more big 10 gamblers, you know, watching Pac-12 football, watching the Pac-12 late at night than Pac-12 fans. <laughs> I think there's at least a chance. You know, I think everybody loves this Pac-12 after the dark, after dark type thing. But how many people actually finish a game? You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> how time hits, you're dozing so, off so, on the couch. That's, let, that's a, let me defend the Pac-12 for a second. So, so TV ratings, there, there's a great website called medium.com that ranks teams by TV ratings. So if you take out Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12, hmm. Oregon gets better ratings than every other Big 12 team. Washington is right up there with every other Big 12 team. Uh, Stanford's right up there with every Big 12. UCLA gets better than Baylor. Like, I mean, the, and yeah. this is last year. And Baylor, that was their best year they've had in seven years. UCLA, garbage, just mocked them. More people watch UCLA football than watch Baylor football. So – I, I don't disagree that the Big 12 has a shot to do this. I think that people – L.A. population, the, what? Waco population, yeah. 120,000. It, it, who cares where the eyes are? It's the eyes that are watching it. I mean that's what you guys are talking about. So now am I, do I think the Big 12 is more stable right now than the Pac-12? I think that that's obvious. I think that they, they got beat up early. But I, I think there's this perception that the Big 12 is a much better conference than the Big 12. The Big 12 has had more playoff teams. Uh, take out Oklahoma now. You know who the only playoff team in the Big 12 is? Cincinnati. Hmm. There's no other team that's made the playoffs. You've had Washington and Oregon. So I think there's an overstatement of how good of a conference Big 12 is without Oklahoma and Texas. It's a really good point. I, I mean, putting those numbers to it, that's that's fantastic. Justin hates it because he loves the Big 12. I don't hate it. I mean, I, mean, I grew up with it. I mean, that's that's what we that's what I knew my whole life, you know, up until the last yeah. 10 years. Uh, and, to be and fair, I, you knew I the mean, big A. And I think I think if you pulled I mean, definitely if you pulled Iowa fans, we've watched more Big 12 because 
there's the Iowa state mix in there. So it's, it's more regional. Um, but another thing that we've kind of already alluded to, but to, to explain it out even more is, you know, as far as getting viewers, the PAC 12 is behind a rock and a hard place because I mean, most of the country's population is in the center to the East. They go out, you know, like even, even diehard college football fans, you know, big 10 fan, for example, whatever, a Michigan state fan, right. Uh, they're on the East coast, you know, time, time zone. So they're going to watch a lot of, of big 10 football from noon. And then the three o'clock, they might even start watching the evening game, but at that point they go out, they do social things. That's right. When the PAC 12 is kicking off, it's just hard for the PAC 12 to compete, you know? And I think that's why they started to try to play around with the kickoffs because they realized that, but now what do you have? You have PAC 12 games kicking off at 10 o'clock clock in the morning to try to to grab viewers it it's it's just a tough deal and that's and that's my biggest fear about picking up ucla and usc is i i don't want nebraska playing these nine o'clock at night games i, I don't i don't want it i it, if i'm a i mean Rutgers fan like dude i don't want to see i don't want a game start at 10 o'clock at night and be up till two in the morning i don't now, think and i don't, in I my don't 20s, think I have a in my 20s i wouldn't have gave a shit like whatever hey let's do this I can drink beer till two in the morning all every day. I don't care. For sure. Now that I'm in my forties, I'm like, hey, tough to do. Two o'clock hurts. My kids are getting up at six o'clock, so yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't want this. So I, I, I know mean, that's that, that's my biggest fear with adding these two schools. I don't mind adding them. It's just what's going to happen when you start going to the Californias to play this, to play the games. And you can't tell me they haven't figured out. They don't. They just knew they needed oh, to no. make a power play, and literally the only school outside of Notre Dame that was the power play to make was USC and then tethered with UCLA. I mean, and that power play there, by the way, is how they can entice Notre Dame to join the conference. I mean, that step one was to try to get step two. I mean, yeah. What, what's, what's the plan here? We're just going to have USC and UCLA play the two thirty games every week. That way Honestly. it's not, it's, it's not too early for them and it's not too late for everybody else. Hey, Jeff. So you, you're, you're, you're talking about, questions. you think the, uh, Big Ten is going to stay as is for a while, right? Uh, does that is that going to hurt USC and UCLA in recruiting if they don't uh, add any more Pac-12 teams? Uh, you know, you got two I, teams that have to travel halfway and beyond across the U.S. just to play the games. What's that going to do their recruiting? That part, that's a great question. Um, that would be if you did the you know Excel spreadsheet plus and minus. That would definitely go. On the negative side, I just think this um, recruits are attracted to TV sets and 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 they want to be seen. They want to feel like they're playing in big environments. You're just not going to be playing and as big of environments if you're playing at Oregon State. You know, the, the pretty much everybody left over in the Pac-12 that's not named Oregon or Washington. I would throw Washington in there, too. They've got a loyal fan base. So I think USC and UCLA, and and this will be tough for, you know, the current Big Ten teams. I think USC and UCLA are going to siphon recruits on the West Coast into their two schools because they will be attracted to the stability of the Big Ten and playing in front of those big, big TV sets. Do you think the home games will suffer a lot of, you know, like when, you know, the likes of Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, when they have to travel out to USC, UCLA, 
I mean, UCLA, they're already having a hard time filling up their stadium. And, you know, you don't have any of the, you know, California schools there. What's it going to look like, like, look like when uh, Midwest schools have to travel there? I mean, you're going to look it's, like it's going to be bad. It's a, yeah, it's a great question. I, I really feel like you have to answer it. There, it's two se- separate situations. With USC, if Riley can get them bumping, they're going to they're going to ward off uh, visiting fans in the Coliseum. You know, that's if they do. They got it. They only will show up if they're winning. But I think Riley will. So I think they'll do fine. UCLA, on the other hand, they got a little bit tougher, you know, road to hoe to get back to being a really good program. And then it's the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I talked about this on the last podcast, but I never considered this until I heard Rick Neuheisel talk about it a couple years, several years ago. And Rick Neuheisel, you know, played at UCLA and coached there too. And he talked about how the Rose Bowl is a detriment to the UCLA football program because it's hard for UCLA fans to literally get there, to travel around the gigantic state and deal with traffic to get to the Rose Bowl. Whereas the opposing fans are like, hey, this is the year we're going to make the trip to go to the Rose Bowl and go to a game because it's a it's a you know, it's a, a watershed moment for a college football fan to go do that. So they have an uphill battle to have a home crowd all the time. And I think it's going to be put on steroids once they're in the Big Ten. I joked on the last podcast, like what percentage of the Rose Bowl is going to be red the first time UCLA plays Nebraska with Nebraska being the road team? I mean, it's it's going to be insane. And then you can throw in. Iowa, Wisconsin, I mean, Michigan, I mean, obviously tons of other programs. That's what UCLA is going to be looking at. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Nebraska, let's uh, move on. Let's talk uh, a little bit about Nebraska. Tyler. We are 44 days until Ireland. It's hard to believe we're that close. So I I, I guess give, give us a high level view. What do you expect of the Huskers going into 2022? I mean, what I... So I've started to do my deep dives. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with the teams anyways. Um, I feel like I could do a shallow dive, a medium depth dive, or a deep, deep dive with Nebraska, and I'm just going to walk away confused no matter what. Um, Anybody that tells me they, and this is a Nebraska fan, this is a rival fan base, anybody that tells me they know that something is going to be good or bad I would call BS on it. Uh, I I don't know how anybody can have any confidence making a statement with this year's Nebraska fans, Nebraska team, excuse me. I don't know how they can do that. It's you're it's a conundrum wrapped in a riddle all through the the team this year. So so going into this year, um, you know, we lost a four year starter. Um you can look at that a couple of different ways, uh, but Nebraska has really utilized Adrian Martinez. What do you make of that quarterback room and the impact on the whole team losing Adrian Martinez? I want to piggyback on something you guys said on uh, your second to last podcast. By the way, the better, same, worse. I'm thinking hard about stealing that and using that in some capacity on the Eyes on Big podcast because I just love I love the concept. That was a fun podcast to listen to. 
Um, and something that I think it was Justin who brought it up. Um, it might be Justin or Tyler. Derek has got a very distinct voice. And so, you know, when Derek makes a statement, right? Like when Derek makes a statement, we, we all know who said it. Tyler and Justin, sometimes, you know, you guys, uh, I walk away from the podcast. I can't remember who said it, but, um, but when you were talking about the running back room and I think pretty much across the board, you thought the running back room would be better but I think it was Justin who brought up, but we lost our our leading rusher uh, again, which was the quarterback. Um, but I think that's it's time. Right. I mean, it, it is you. You have to pull the the quarterback draws away from Scott Frost. It, it was something that ultimately hurt the offense like that was his you know uh, comfort food, if you will, for play calls when he really needed something to happen. It was just you know, let Martinez scramble around. Not only is Martinez gone, you know, from what I'm told, I'll kind of believe it when I see it, but Frost is not going to be the one calling the plays. It's going to be Whipple. Um, so I, I, I do think overall it, it is a plus, but I think it's going to take some time. I mean, we are going to quite a bit of a different offense from what has been run for the past four years. I, I would call call me, you know, you, you can call call uh, uh, get a hold of me on Twitter and tell me I was wrong. But to think that Nebraska will just come go gangbusters offensively right out of the gate, I, I think it's a tough thing to expect. So I, I think you're right. And I, I have a little bit of doubt in that quarterback room, um, you know, but perceivably the top two quarterbacks, Chubba Purdy and Casey Thompson, both missed time in the spring both injured. We know there's new offense. It was going to be new for them regardless. So I, I am a little bit um, skeptical that, that we're going to see this great improvement at quarterback play. So let me ask you, looking at this whole roster, can Nebraska make a bowl with average quarterback play? And when I'm talking average, I'm talking think 2021 Tanner Morgan. I think that's the definition of average quarterback play. Yeah. Um, here. Yes, they can. As long as that average quarterback play means that the quarterback's not turning the ball over. I think that would be the key, but I don't think that's what Whipple has in his mind for how he wants this offense to look like. I think, I think he's an aggressive dude that wants to be aggressive. Um, so it's just another conundrum. Cause it's a, it, it has another feast or famine type of feel to, to it on how I think the Nebraska offense is going to look on, on the negative side, you have all these new places and concepts that the offense has to, to take over on the plus side, you start with Northwestern, North Dakota and Georgia Southern. So, so that's, that's good, you know, to, that you would hope to be able to get your feet back under you. But on the negative side, I think Northwestern will do a little bit better defensively this year. And I think it's just going to be a mess out in Ireland. That is not a cut. That is not a uh, love that you pull, pull in the Amador there, Justin. Nice, nice work, my friend. Um, and that's not so that's not just a comment on Nebraska. I just think the jet laggy, sloppy Ireland feel of that game is it's just going to be a mess. I, I don't think there's going to be much to pull out from that game. That's fair. I, I, I'm with you. I absolutely despise this Ireland game. I think it brings nothing to anybody. Is that. Is that pretty much the feeling for Nebraska fans across the board? I don't know if it's all Nebraska fans, but I I, I definitely feel that way. I, I I just it brings nothing to the table at all. 
So I will put it this way. I love the idea, and I was actually shopping to go out there, and I saw some ticket packages that were being sold. And, you know, for a couple, it was like, you know, $3,200, $3,500. That was great. I would sign up for that all day, you know, for a four- or five-day stay, whatever it was. But it didn't include airfare. I'm like, ooh, Ooh. (laughs) that's a kick in the nuts right there. So I was like, okay. Well, maybe this isn't it, you know. And the wife says she's she's like, I want to go to Ireland, but I don't want to go to a game while I'm there. I'm like, yeah, that's fair because you lose a day. But I mean, I just hope there's, I just hope it's a nearly full stadium. I don't expect it to be packed full. Um, I, I just, I just hope it doesn't look like they're they're playing. Well, I was gonna say play a spring game, but you you guys pack the house for a spring game, so that's not even a good good example. So, so the number, the latest numbers that I saw, and they've probably changed since last week, but you know, the stadium seats like forty-six thousand people, and they expected seventy-five thousand seats to be sold total. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, seventy-five percent, and uh, nine thousand Husker fans have bought tickets, and three thousand Northwestern fans bought tickets. So yeah, I thought that nine thousand number would be bigger. I, I thought it would be like fifteen to twenty the first time I saw it, but. I think, I, th- I that, think if Nebraska was playing a little bit better than what they yeah. have, it would be a lot bigger. But yeah, you know, sixteen hundred dollars for a round trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to get you out on the Nebraska talk on this. I am very bullish on the pass rush. I think we have the opportunity to be a premier pass rush in the Big Ten. How how do you see it? Do you do you think that that am I crazy thinking that this could be the premier or a premier pass rush or? Is, is, am I drinking a little bit too much Kool-Aid here in Nebraska? So like we kind of joked before we started recording, um, that was the part on the, uh, you know, better, same, worse podcast that surprised me is that you were across the board, uh, th- thought it would be better in the front seven as compared to last year. I mean, it was linebackers and D line. Now linebackers, I get a little bit. I mean, you got two really good linebackers coming back that you would think would be a little bit better. Now losing Jojo Doman, I feel like you guys glanced over that a little bit more. That was, that was the guy that got you off the field on third down, you know, like, so I, I believe that that nickel, you know, cash, whatever you want to call it type of position is a, is a, is a big deal, but I do feel good overall about the linebackers Then I get, I got, I was surprised, especially with Justin, when you guys were that bullish on the D line. Um, I do think Garrett Nelson looked really good. Like, I feel like he has took a step up. Um, Obviously getting O'Shea and Mathis is a big deal. So here's the deal. Do I think the pass rush should be better than last year? Absolutely. I do. It's just that you, you play in the big 10 West who are all these passing attacks you're going after? Purdue. I, I don't think it's a game plan that fits up for who you're playing. So I don't, I, I don't want to pretend to say that I know I watched a, a game film of 200 cutups of O'Shane Mathis, snaps, but I've O'Shane Mathis, but uh, let's do O'Shane. And just so we get back to Ireland, I feel like that fits in a little bit better. Um, but Olay. from what I, from what I could tell is he goes missing in the rushing attack a little bit uh, comes alive on, you know, your third and seven plus plays. But if Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota want to get you into third and twos often, I think that kind of negates the strength of the Nebraska defense Um, certainly can help versus Purdue. Um, You've got a couple other um, 
Oklahoma, you know, could definitely help versus Oklahoma, maybe a little bit Michigan, but there is a lot of run based teams on, on any, any big 10 West team schedule. So I just, I don't know if the strength matches up to what you want the strength to be. You just deflated Tyler's balloon right there, by the way, (laughs) a little bit. I I will say this and I I, I do agree with you. I do think that inside backers makes it a little bit different. I, I mean, you're, you're right. Like we're not playing against pass happy, but we're strong in that middle. I mean, like, I mean, last year with Reimers and Henrik, that was their first real year, both getting those types of snaps. Like, so you're at, you've got to expect them both to take a step forward. Um, I think I mean, the guy that you're going to miss more than you think is Ben Stilley. I, I, Iowa has made a living off guys that look <laughs> and play <laughs> just like Ben Stilley. And no, they, they are not the, uh, they're not the stat makers. They're not the playmakers. They let everybody else around them become stat makers and playmakers. He was steady. He never, he, ne- he never got into trouble from what I remember. You, you didn't hear stupid stuff off the field. Like he just was a stalwart and, and, you know, Damien Daniels is an, is a, I always get the day. Did I get the Daniels name? Right. I, I was You're good. Another big loss, you know, like, so that middle to me, that's the biggest concern on, on the whole defense. Fair, fair point. So you definitely wouldn't have it better, at least same, same, or is it you looking worse? Here? I, I think, I think the pass rush is better and the rushing attack is worse. So net, I would say worse. Wow. If you were playing in a pass happy league, I would net positive, but playing in the big 10 and especially in the big 10 West, it's a net negative for me because of the style of play you're going up against. Uh, by the it, way, by the way, unleash the fury versus Purdue. I'm, I'm all about it. Go, go, go get them. <laughs> well, so you're saying well, another reason for Nebraska to go back to the big 12 with this defensive front, right? Just, just for this year, <laughs> just give it a shot for well, this year. Yeah. A name that didn't get mentioned that you can steal is Ty Robinson. Cause I, I am very high on him this year. I think he's going to take that Ben Stilly role and be an approved Ben Stilly. So I think we just need to find another interior lineman. Cause we're, we're not, we're, we are no longer a three, four. That, 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 and, that that's, and that's the thing is it's another weird oddity to me because this seems like the, the year to be more of a three, four, because you do have two good defensive ends. You, if you have uh, uh, confidence with Ty Robinson, that's, that's your, your three man front front right there. I do think you have up and coming linebackers there, but now we're making the switch to a four, three, whereas it looked more like a four, three, personnel the last couple of years. I don't get it. I, I, like I, I'm that doesn't mean that I automatically think it's negative. I'm just saying I don't get it. It's another thing that confuses me <laughs> about all of this. I'll, I'll say this. Eric Schneider has been always been good about confusing people, but he continues to get better. So, yep. Um, and what's crazy, though, is like I do think Nebraska had a good defense last year, but they were six in the Big Ten West in total defense. Like, and I really think that's more of a compliment to the big 10 West defenses, a little bit of shade getting thrown at the big 10 West offenses too. I mean, the two play into each other. Don't get me wrong, but like Nebraska's defense had an unbelievable ability to be disruptive yet still give up plays. I, I it's again, it was the just added to the confusion that was 2021. 
And, and that's what's so funny about it. Is, and I've had this argument with these two a couple times about they always want to talk about how bad that offense was, but the offense was ranked top 30. You know, yep. and the, de- the defense was really a mediocre top 50. But the media, but the the reality is the defense carried that team. It did, uh, but if, and I, and I'm not telling you anything that you guys don't know or your listeners don't know. But man, where are the turnovers? It just doesn't make. And, and I know you get a lot of turnovers from from pressure, certainly, you know. But you also get turnovers from known route combinations and. Having defensive backs that, that can catch are smart and they can catch the ball. I, I mean, I, I was surprised to see how high, quite honestly, Cam Taylor Britt went in the NFL draft. I know he's a great athlete, um, and I think he's just more of a cover guy. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to expect to to get the ball and go back the other direction, um, which is fine, by the way. You can make you know you can have a great NFL career with that type of skill set. I don't know. I don't. I I don't think the secondary is is bad, but I I don't see I I there's nothing that I'm looking at right now that would that would suggest to me that there would be a big jump up in turnovers unless the defense steps up on on first and second down and then it unleashes that pass rush. First and second down are going to be huge for Nebraska football the, for their defense. Absolutely. Tyler, anything else on Nebraska? All right, Derek. No, get- you, you already deflated me with my pass rush. I mean, <laughs> and by, by, you're, by, you're telling me not to bet my 40 sacks. <laughs> I, I, I think I think hey, I would Tyler, never I, tell anybody I, what to do. I do think Tyler's head's about three times smaller right now. Well, did, should we make it five times smaller? Because um, I, I mean, with, with I, I was starting to talk myself into okay, if all the if all the dust settles on the offensive line. I think you can get four quality starters and just hope hope for no injuries. Then when Nuruddin Nualali, I can never you know when he when that went down. I mean you know I know that these magazines aren't 100% accurate, but I I've got Athlon in front of me, and there's one returning starter on the offensive line in black, and that's you know Nuruddin Nuelli, and now he's gone, and I, I would be. I would be quite concerned that on the offensive line, especially when, you know, we we've got an offensive line coach that's never coached offensive line at, at this level before. I have no idea what this is going to look like. The, so rea- the play- reality is though, Turner Corcoran started all last year and he's going to start this year. Ben- Bryce Benhart has started the last two years and has a possibility a pr- pretty good possibility starting this year. Trent Hickson's got a full year of, of, of uh, starting experience under his belt. Granted, it was two years ago, but he's got the experience. So, I mean, there, there's more there's more returning experience there than what the magazines are letting off. I think most coaches would tell you they'd rather have talent than experience most of the time. Um, it was not a good showing from your tackles last no. year. So they definitely picked up experience, but it didn't look good. I do think Hickson can be solid. Um, but you, Hickson needs to be the forgotten man on an offensive line, not the one you're looking at to anchor an offensive line. That's fair. So that was one of the interesting things for when we played better, same worse. Uh, when it came to the offensive line with the, uh, 
you know, the losses that we had with Cam Jurgens, uh, Matt Sichterman, you know, both solid starters all last year. And, uh, you know, Teddy Prohaska being injured. I went worse because of uh, Newelli, his suspension. What I did not expect was Derek and Tyler to agree with me that the offensive line would be worse. What did what, what were your thoughts on the scoring of better, same, worse in that aspect for the offensive line? I mean, I would maybe do my own and say incomplete. I, I, I like, but if you're gonna put the screws to me, I would have to say worse because I see. Then right when I say that, you need proof. I think, you need. Proof. I do need. I need proof, and then I, you know. I expect Iowa's offensive line to be better this year because guys that struggled last year picked up experience. But I saw improvement on Iowa's offensive line the last month of the season. I don't know if I saw that with especially the tackles. I think I saw it in in the interior line. I mean, at one point, it was potential. You guys tell me if I'm wrong, but in November of last year, you could have had the same guard center guard back on the offensive line this year. If Cam Jurgen stayed and I forget the other guy that if he could have took a sixth year and then Norelli, and then one goes to the NFL, one decides to be done with his career and one gets suspended. Like I have to think that was a surprise that Scott Frost was hoping wouldn't, wouldn't happen on. Oh yeah. On the I positive agree. side. I do think you have a lot of good running backs. Um, I I don't like Yant. I'm not a Yant guy. Um, he, you, Scott Frost needs people that he can rely on in the year 2022. Show of hands, do you really think you can rely on Yakez Yant this year? I got I I I got one side side ahead, but then he, but then Tyler did put his hand up. Okay. I, here's the thing. Defined. That was the first meaningful snaps last year. I mean, this the, he. I mean, he he's a young kid. It is his first meaningful snaps. Wasn't impressive, but has the body type. But the thing is, is while I'm high on him, we're not relying on him. It's not like Nebraska's like, well, God, if Yant doesn't pop this year, we're That's screwed true. in that room. That's a great point. I, 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 I think, think I, I think at best he's a situational back anyway. Okay. I think yeah. it's th- third and one. You need that one yard. He, he does get a lot of yards after contact. Um, He's not again, in my I'm, top three, by the way. I I wouldn't put him in the top three. You know, usually you go a, a pair and a spare, you know, type of thing for, for running backs in the Big Ten. Definitely Ramir Johnson is in that pair and a spare. I just think he's more of a third down back. Um, he's really good at catching the ball. Um, a lot of his big plays came from, in my mind, Adrian Martinez manufacturing the play and getting the ball over to him in a, in a pass receiving situation. So I'd be a little bit concerned on how he's used in a Whipple style of offense moving forward. I'll be interested to see that. Um, but I did think the transfer and I'm getting the two, I'm getting the wide receiver and running backs, but is it Grant that is the running back and, and Gant that is the wide receiver? Anthony Grant um, is the running back. Yes, that's I was impressed. To. to me, I think that's going to be the the day one starter at running back. I think that's your first and second down running back. 
give me somebody else not named Ramir Johnson or Yakez Yant for the second back. Um, and but then use Ramir Johnson as more of your your third down back. If if that rotation and and set the rotation for the love of God, set the rotation at running back and and stick with it. These guys wow. need to work up a lather and get a feel for the offense. Let those guys do that. I and truly that, believe that was part do. of. I was just gonna say, I truly believe that's part of the reason why Howard was let go. I mean. He was not committal to a running back. He didn't have any of them coached up to like be the day one guy and just it, yeah, yep. it, it was a mess. It's been it's been a mess though, you know, ever since the Zigbo left, really. But God, that guy, yeah. and that's the thing. That guy was good. That was and that was you know for us his first year. And then basically yeah. some of the same stuff uh, that I would say about the running backs. I'd say about the wide receivers. Just just you know get the rotation set. Um, we're now on year three waiting for Omar Manning to, to go off. Um, he just needs to be, he doesn't need to be consistent, but he needs to consistently make big plays. So I don't expect him to be a seven catch 80 yard guy, but he needs to make one or two big plays a game that, that I think is his role. And then you got enough, you know, wide receivers. Um, I do think, I think Trey Palmer will be good. Another, that is a good, like I'm higher on, on Palmer and uh, the running back, then then I am O'Shane Ma- O'Shawn Mathis. I know that probably makes me crazy, uh, but that's that's how I see it. it. Doesn't. I think that's how I th- I think they'll make more of an impact uh, uh, as long as they stay healthy. You know, you got you got to assume that um, there's enough there in the rotation at wide receivers. Um, the tight ends. I I, I I thought you guys said neutral or better for the tight ends. I couldn't believe the besmirching of Austin Allen that was done on the podcast. That was on Tyler. Like, okay. I think Tyler um, was one. Okay. My, my problem with Austin Allen, I think it was a lot. Tyler scheme. Was I, I think it was a I, lot scheme last year. I think that the scheme did a lot of wonders for Austin Allen. Like go back and watch some of those catches he had and the big plays. I could have caught those and ran those in. I mean, you could say the, the tr- same the thing about Iowa's is, tight ends. I mean, sch- scheming tight ends open is kind of the name of the game. That, um, that's, that's fair, but let's not act like Austin Allen was the most uh, athletically gifted player you've ever. He seen. didn't get. I mean, he didn't get drafted. He didn't get drafted. drafted. I know he tripped over I, his own two feet more than anybody I think I ever seen. It's a, it's. I don't a fair think point. being drafted has any bearance on like your college ability at all. There's a lot of great college dudes that kick ass all through college, but don't get True. drafted or a have good a good point. career. I did think he would get drafted late. Um, and I, I just don't think, I don't think Volkolek is, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a, a I don't think he's going to make defensive coordinators stay up at night. Yeah. All right. There yeah. you go. I'm not totally, a, I'm not totally sold on Volkolek either. Okay. No. Let's get to the rest of the big 10. Right, yeah. Big 10 West. Let's talk some all big right. 10 West stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep my questions pretty short and sweet here, but uh, so we'll start with, the obvious who are your top contenders in the West for this season? Yeah. So, um, I still have, I still have a chance to change this. Uh, nothing's official until we make it official on the eyes on big podcast. I just want to say that, but yeah, I mean, it's Iowa, Wisconsin and Minnesota for me right now. Um, uh, Purdue is the next tier down and then Nebraska is the next, it might even be in the same tier, with Purdue right there. 
And Illinois is very close to, okay. Like I, I, I do think Northwestern is in a tier on the bottom all by themselves. I hate saying that out loud. Then the freaking ghost of Pat Fitzgerald comes and strikes us all down. I, but you know, that's, I, I just don't see a quarterback and, and any, you know, enough talent on the roster, but um, you know, going back to the top, um, obviously Wisconsin and Iowa, they are the Spider-Man meme looking at each other right now. You know, the defenses are going to be good. Um, Wisconsin has a better rushing attack with Allen, um, but the quarterbacks are a mess. You know, I, I mean, that is that is the boat anchor for Iowa and Wisconsin with Minnesota. They really don't have a boat anchor, you know, dragging them down. But they I'm not sure they have anything that you can 100 percent hang their hat on either. They've got way more questions on defense. But um, I'm shocked at how much people are are sleeping on Mo Ibrahim. Did anybody watch him play at the end of 2020 or all of 2020? And the first game against Ohio State, he was ripping Ohio State up before he tore his Achilles. Like, I just I'm just amazed at how much people have just completely forgotten that the offensive line only returns essentially one one starter. but Minnesota's schedule, it's quite favorable as far as who they get and, and and pull from the other side. So, like, if I sound confused, it's because I am. Those would be the the, the top three teams. Um, to me, this is one of the more intriguing divisions in all of college football because there is no way anybody can tell me 100% they're convinced team a or even team B can win. I mean, it's, there are a lot of teams that can win this division, which, which redirects me here. So my next question was going to be who is your next dark horse, but I think you kind of covered everybody there with so, Minnesota or just, just, I th- you covered pretty much every team. So oh. I'm going to leave the dark horse question out. So I'm going to change it to when are people going to start respecting the big 10 West a little bit? You know, I think it's one of the most entertaining divisions in all of college football because we have this conversation every year there's two three maybe four teams that can win this division every year we have this conversation and yet we can never get any it's always oh the big 10 west sucks and it, it's just a terrible division can you imagine if 2008 derek heard 2022 derek talking just now about oh, yeah, how absolutely the big 10 west teams are 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 not respected enough. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I, I mean, if you're, if you're going to ask me the question, I'll give an honest answer. I, I don't think it'll happen. And you know, something we didn't touch on earlier, maybe it's just assumed, but the divisions are going to be going away. I think by the, we'll, we'll have divisions this year and next year is how it's going to go down. That's why the big 10 has never really released anything. Um, but then the divisions will go away in uh, 2024. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be ready for it at that point. Um, let's just get, let's just throw everybody in the same big old bathtub and just see what happens. Um, are you saying this I, with certainty, Jeff? That divisions are going it, away? I think we're going to have divisions this year and next, next season. And that's it. I, I really? would put, I would put, I, I'd put a healthy stack of cash on that. Yeah. Wow. I'm not quite sure yep. how I feel about that, truthfully. <laughs> yep. So Iowa and Wisconsin got two more years left uh, for Iowa to win its uh, third Big Ten West title and for Nebraska to get its first one before the divisions go away. So, okay. Yep. 
I want I want to talk a little bit about Iowa here. Uh, being the Iowa alum that you are, what's going on this year with Iowa? Like, I it seems to me like I feel like I'm higher on Iowa than than the national media is. You guys got so I, much I, honestly, you guys got like, I mean, honestly, everybody on defense coming back, which was a great defense to begin with. You got most of the offense coming back. I mean, granted, it's led by Spencer Petrus, who, well, whatever. But the, the, the national <laughs> that's, that's perception Iowa's assessment as well. So the, the yeah, national yeah. perception is that Iowa's not going to have a great year. I'm seeing a lot of uh, seven and five and eight and four, which which by what Iowa's done the last seven eight years is pretty bad for them. I mean, look, Derek, that, I'll Jeff, correct that a little bit. I see Iowa fifth. I was a common fifth in that Big Ten West. I, I see I that. I just don't often. see it. Like with everybody returning, like I think they should be. I should with everybody returning as much as they have returned. I think they should be one of the favorites. I, I'm Either. not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that I, I have seen more. I would love to FBIs. see them finish. Hey, I would love to see them finish fifth. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but, but there are multiple sources that are saying they're they're coming in fifth. I haven't seen a lot of fifth. I've seen a lot of third. I've seen a lot of second and third. I, have, um, I, I see a lot of Purdue love. I see a lot of Purdue love out Athlon there. Athlon has Purdue second. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, jo- uh, Derek, I, it's, it's interesting to hear a Nebraska fan be able to pull this out from, from what you're listening to from college football podcast and what you're reading. I'm sure just like me, because the the disrespect that has been thrown Iowa's way has been it's been insane. I can't believe it. And it is. Nor- and, normally, and they, I would agree with them, but with all, everything you got returning, I don't see where everybody's coming from. I just I can't figure it de- out. Depending on the publication, we either have the first or second most returning starters in, in, in the Big Ten, and we won ten games last year and was an in Indy. Everybody says the same thing. I get it. I get it. Iowa's offense sucks. I don't even know if this is glass half full. I think this is glass half. It just makes sense. Iowa's defense is going to be as good and maybe a touch better this year than it was last year. We, we returned a, a slew of starters in the, on the defense. Okay. Iowa's offense was like 121st last year. What happens if we're all the way up to 73rd? <laughs> that's what, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if Iowa could win 10 games with that bad of an offense this year, call me crazy or last year, call me crazy. But I, I don't think Iowa's offense is going to be as bad as it was last year. And if you look at 2020, 2018 and 19, Iowa's offense was better than it was last year. That was an especially bad Iowa offense. So I just expect it to be better. And that means I expect Iowa to be good again. I, I will say this. I think as a Nebraska fan, I'm in that same boat only with special teams. Like if you could, right. if you could just get me special teams right. to not kick me in the dick every single game, <laughs> then I think and, we can win a lot of games. And but I would can, expect. And if we and can't, then we're going to lose change. a lot of games again. And there's changes that were made. I mean, Bill Bush, was, I yeah. believe, will help the special teams. So th- that's actually a pretty good comparison. You would statistically – I don't want to tempt the football gods here for either one of us, but you would think Nebraska's special teams and Iowa's offense would be better from last year just because there's so little space to move further down than where they were at. (laughs) 
Yeah. Jeff, who do you want to see start at quarterback for Iowa next year? Petrus oh, or Padilla? Listen, I, I, I am not in the business of hating on any specific Iowa players, but I, I think I've seen enough of Spencer Petrus to know what it's going to look like. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, but the third stringer, Joey Labas, Labas, I don't know how to say his last name yet. Um, but I know from a fact that I know for a fact that guys, people that I know that have seen have gotten a look behind the curtain are really impressed with his swag and his arm and his mobility. Um, so I would be, I would love to see that. Um, but in the end, you know, believe it or not, Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz know a lot more about offense than I do. I trust them to make the right decision. That's best for, for the team. Um, the thing that is going to be different. Okay. I love me some Tyler Goodson, but he just took too many negative plays. I mean, he led the country in negative plays by a moonshot for, for running backs. We're going to get away from that. I am going to call it right now. Iowa will be in more manageable downs on second and third down, which will help the entire offense. It'll get the zone outside zone back in. It'll get the waggle away where the quarterback pulls away. That's where the tight end stats come in. Like, it, it's going to look better, not explosive. I just want to make sure that's known. This is not going to look like an Oklahoma offense, but just better. So will the, will the punter still be the MVP most games? You, you're damn right. And I thank you for bringing up Tory Taylor. The only I still don't have a tattoo. I might get a Tory ta- Taylor tattoo before before he he leaves Iowa. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. Who who All is right. Iowa's best wide receiver? I would say it's a certain guy that used to live in Nebraska. Did you do that just to torture your own fan base? <laughs> just to torture Tyler. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, Keegan Johnson definitely showed flashes last year. I mean, if you really want to be specific, Sam Laporta is our best pass catcher True. at tight end. But um, I think there's a couple young receivers that beat out the older guys last year. I hope they look a little bit better this year with Keegan being being one of them. All right, so I, I really want to go back to this dark horse thing that uh, Derek kind of skipped skip through. I I got to know, dark horse, does Nebraska have a shot to win the Big Ten West? Um, I mean, of course they have a shot. I, this is college football. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of of chips that need to fall into place for that to happen. So it's hard for me to predict for, for that to be. I mean – I kind of broke down my concerns with the D line and the O line for Nebraska. Does a dark horse in the Big Ten West sound like a team that you have grave concerns with the O line and D line? That's just not where I would start. Right. So if you were to pick a dark horse that was not Wisconsin or Iowa, who would it be? Well, I mean, let's be Iowa and Wisconsin, I don't think you consider a, no. a dark horse. Correct. Um, I don't think I can consider Purdue a dark horse. I mean, Athlon's got him pick second. I mean, can I use Minnesota? Athlon has Minnesota pick fourth. That would be my dark horse if, if I'm going. If if the the average placement of a team is third or, or higher, which I think would fall for where Minnesota would be typically picked, then then that would be my dark horse team in in the Big Ten West. 
Okay. All right. One one last question, because you seem to have fought, fell in the same lull as everybody else in the damn nation, and with Northwestern here, <laughs> and they're just going to be terrible. Are you really going to be surprised if they win the division this year? I mean, seriously, it, okay. it is Pat Fitzgerald, and he does it every other year. Every even year, to be specific. Um, I know. Um, my podcast partner Kurt screams at me and. Every time I besmirch Northwestern in any way, shape, or form, um, I, 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 my, my confidence to talk stupidly <laughs> about Northwestern it basically comes from two things: losing Mike Hankwitz, their defensive coordinator. I, I, I do believe he was the heart and soul of the of the Fitzy situation there. So I now I will give Fitzy enough time. He's got to figure something out. Okay, he's. He is a good coach. He's a competitor. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, I just don't see the quarterback on the roster. Like when Northwestern was winning games, they had quarterbacks just just making plays. On third and seven, you don't know how they pulled out the play, but they did it. I, I don't think we, we have that. Um, what Northwestern had two years ago was two things. Number one, they had a goofy COVID year. Okay. It just suited Northwestern perfectly that year. On top of it, they had a lot of older senior talent. You remember their linebackers had 200 tackles a year, every year for four years. It seemed like they had talent in the secondary. That was a better Northwestern defense than people understood. Probably part of the reason why Mike Hankwitz hung it up after that year, because he saw the dearth of talent that was, that was left over. Um, so that's all the stuff that, that kind of fits together for me. Uh, I hope I'm right. Uh, but like Derek said, wouldn't be surprised if the seven Northwestern followers I have on Twitter are dancing on my grave come mid November. Trust me. I would love to just shit on Northwestern every chance I get, but every time I, every time I do, they come back and beat Nebraska. See, I, I've had this conversation with Nebraska fans and DMS before you all still look at Northwestern like this cute little oh Northwestern they're cute and I'm like that's no, when they get you but but I'm North I think the, yeah now last year you absolutely trounced them that that was one thing I didn't I don't know what happened in that game all the stars aligned our offensive line played phenomenal that game uh, the defense played phenomenal that game I, the stars just aligned in that game we did we had zero special teams blunders uh, it was just. There was yeah. a, it was the perfect storm for Nebraska. It and was it was like they kept showing Fitzy on the sideline. You could just tell he was stunned. He ha- he had no answer of what was going on. Um, uh, can I can I add one thing just for the sure. entire Big Big Ten? Um, I guess I'm just a little surprised on how everybody is so readily handing the conference to Ohio State. Um. I I do think Ohio State, everybody is everybody, not everybody, because I don't think I'm one of them, but most people get romanticized by awesome offense. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It's a blast to watch the Rose Bowl, you know, that Utah Ohio State shootout. It was a blast. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I, by the way, I had the over in that. That was freaking fantastic. I think it was over at halftime. <laughs> um, so that was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But Michigan beat Ohio state by running the ball down their throat. And I, I, I will believe Ohio state's front seven issues are fixed. 
when I see them fixed. So, and now, and, and by the way, when you have some spare time, look at Michigan's schedule. I, I their non-conference the schedule is bad. It's it it is bad, and, and they play eight home games <laughs> this year. And I mean, they don't yeah. leave they don't leave Ann Arbor. Uh, she really is a whore uh, for the entire month of September. Um, I, I you know so like Michigan can really figure some things out and steamroll in into late October. Are you suggesting Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut is a bad? Out of conference I mean, dude, schedule. I, I will that say is. this. I seen a guy on Twitter complaining about this. He said it was the worst non-conference schedule he's ever seen. And I'm guessing he's never looked at a Baylor or Kansas State non-conference schedule. I mean, but or but that's Iowa. Baylor. But that's Baylor. Oh, jeez. Do you want to start? Do you want to have that conversation? Let's go for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I was you, you did the big game. You did mention Nebraska. Year. You did mention yeah. Nebraska in your text, and that was 20 years ago. Right. But it was, it was under ferrets. I mean, the whole point was when it was an eight. So, so to clue the (laughs) listeners in, I, Derek mentioned, I was weak non-conference schedule in one of your podcasts. And I jumped in the DMS and, and challenged Derek, uh, with that. Um, when there used to be eight conference games, Iowa would play Iowa state and another P five school almost every year. And I'd like to point out that's 10 power five schools. Okay. That was being played. Once it went to nine conference games, I would want to drive to Iowa city and strangle Gary Barta. If he would keep another power five team on the schedule along with Iowa state, Iowa state is a real grown up. Is are they though? Uh, is Iowa State a real grown up? I mean, I, I, Iowa I, State. I've Jeff, heard you mock Jeff, Iowa I, State plenty of times. They're, yeah, they're, they're trolling now. I will their history. You at this Iowa State's football history is god awful. There's I don't know how anybody could plausibly deny that. With that being said, like uh, you know, w- Wisconsin doesn't even have an in-state rival. Neither does Minnesota. Neither does Nebraska. Not only does Iowa have an in-state rival, it's not an in-state rival that's like in the MAC. It's an in-state rival that's in a BCS level conference, or at least close to it. I think we with can the Big this. Twelve. We got we got you saying something decent about Iowa State on record. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, no, Connor, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, Connor. Listen, I'll, I'll I'll give you guys all the credit in the world because for playing Iowa State every year. That's fine. You played that Power Five school. That's fine. What I was alluding to is that it would be good for them to join a conference so you guys could actually schedule different Power Five schools. Other than that, and I thought that was I a get fan. bored with that game, and I don't know Dude, how you guys do it every year. Oh, you nailed it! I, I, I when you said that, Derek again, like, does Derek have the ability where people when they first meet him, they're like, oh boy, I don't know about that guy, but after you get to know Derek a little bit more, he's like a big teddy bear. That, That's that like just, a long history. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, there's <laughs> lots of stories to tell about that. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I'm I, I, don't, I don't come off very lovable. It's fine with him. <laughs> it's the voice um, and the beard. Yep, yep. Um, but you were the first when you said that. I'm like, that is literally the first time anybody has said something that I've thought to myself, that is the one positive of, of Iowa state in a completely unplausible. It's never going to happen scenario of joining the big 10 is that Iowa would then get to schedule somebody more fun out of conference. I, I agree. 
Still don't want it to happen, though. What I want to have happen is Iowa State never joins the Big Ten, and Iowa keeps only plays them like once every two years or four years. I don't know what. Yeah. Well, uh, when, when, when we go to two conferences, maybe you'll never play them again. I mean, you sit there and, and you know, I'm trying to think of like a scenario, but okay. okay. Let's say it is the super conference thing or, or, you know, the big 12 and pac 12 survive, but would you be interested in playing Colorado in a home and away every year? Yeah, a little bit. I hate Colorado. So, well, I don't know. What would you, what would you pull out of that game? You, you, you're gonna pull crazy amounts of recruits out of the state of Colorado? No. no. What what possible good would Nebraska get? It's from good K- every ten years, Derek. Come on, every exactly. every ten years you have something Ex- to look forward Ex- to. And that's exactly how Iowa fans feel about Iowa State. We we own the state in recruiting. Everybody can try to talk themselves on how cool Matt Campbell is as much as they want. The old man has been browbeating him on the recruiting trail for seven years now. Okay. There's nothing we pull out of playing that game in state. I almost, Sorry, you guys You guys started this conversation. I just want to make sure your listeners understand that. <laughs> hey, I honestly cannot think of a out-of-conference team that I would be okay with Nebraska playing every single year. I don't Bingo. know Oklahoma, if there's Oklahoma. one. Every no. single year? I, I, I'm with Justin. Not, not a non-conference good. In the non-con, I don't want to play anybody every single year. That's yeah. a, that's the joys of the non-conference. And, you have play teams that you don't get a player. And and this kind of brings it full circle because this was something I meant to bring up before. Did I know it was cool playing Oklahoma last year? But did that feel like a Nebraska Oklahoma game of of no? Not it did not. And, and it's gonna it's gonna be a cool game this year too. I, I'm gonna join it. I you know, watch for sure. You know, I'm I'm gonna be excited, but. It's just not the Nebraska but, Oklahoma we grew up hey, with. But but that but that oh that whole thing was that's on Oklahoma. Like they they sided with Texas. They decided to not oh, play yeah. us every year. That that, uh, started, that all started in 1996 when Texas decided, came to tame down into the conference and Oklahoma would sided with them. And it, that Oklahoma did that, not Nebraska. Hey, I'm looking forward to that game. You notice that Scott Frost didn't try to back out of the game this year, right? <laughs> that's that's a huge that, that's reading through the tea leaves, right? There. Yeah, we got God, a chance I, this year, guys. God, I wish you lived closer so I could punch you in the face. That <laughs> <laughs> takes a swig of those beer. And that uh, is the o- that, that's the only reason I wish you lived closer. <laughs> All right, Jeff, any any final thoughts on uh, any topic tonight? Anything, parting words you got to say? No, I just um, – I am getting geeked for, for college football. Um, what's going to be inter- – uh, I don't think the Nebraska-Northwestern game is getting enough pub yet amongst Big Ten fans. Like uh, Illinois-Wyoming is week zero as well, but I mean – I can't wait to watch Northwestern Nebraska week zero. So I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I don't know if Illinois and Wyoming has been set for time yet. Has it? I I don't believe so. No. What if that is like an 11 o'clock game for whatever reason? I, Which I game hope, are you going to be watching? Well, I mean, I'm going to watch the game that has two big 10 teams playing in it, you know, for, I mean, for the good of the podcast, 
But trust me, I'll have the Illinois-Wyoming game toggled. I'm trying to pull up uh, the app here as fast as I can to see if I can see if they've set times. But but you know what I mean, though? Like, I just think – I don't even think Nor- Nebraska fans – okay, actually, we do have set times here. So Nebraska-Northwestern is at 11.30 a.m., and then Illinois-Wyoming is at 3. That is fantastic. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Good. Perfect. And then if you then you can get crazy with uh, F uh, and UNC at seven o'clock, and then stay up for Vanderbilt Hawaii late late night. I mean, those does that not sound games. amazing right now? Yeah. Those will be the, those will be the betting games. That's uh, get some shekels on every single game. Um, but here's here's what I'm going to be interested to see is. The confidence, because by the way, congratulations on your fifth straight offseason national championship. You guys deserved it. You came after it. But like as that game gets closer, the the collective sphincter tightening of all of Nebraska fans for that game, it's going to be a blast to watch. Is it tacky to hang banners like here in my office for offseason championships? You know, kind of like what <laughs> Iowa does for their stuff. You, you oh, games. Justin, you reached you reached for that one. You had to reach really yes, hard. Yes, I did. For that yes, one. I did. Yeah, but good good effort. I I yeah. I, I, I didn't set effort. it up very well, but that's the Amador talking. Well, no, much you, like you much like your down, much like your recent bowl history, it's impossible <laughs> to hang a banner that you don't actually have. Recent bowl history. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. That's the point. Right. <laughs> Okay, let's get out of here. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. we better. This is Jeff. This is, all right. right. Let all listeners know how they can uh, reach you on Twitter and the podcast, yep. and you know all that good this stuff. Is, yeah, so I'm I am Jeffrey the Greek, just how it sounds. Uh, my my podcast partner is Big Kurt. That's B one G K U R T. We are the Eyes on Big E Y E S on B one G podcast. You can find us on every platform. We only talk Big Ten football. Obviously, we do a little bit bigger uh, uh, college football landscape, but we talk about Nebraska and everybody else in the conference. So, would love if you uh, take a listen. Awesome, and I hope we get to see you back here uh, Iowa week, right? Absolutely, I'll come on anytime you guys ask. I love. Wait. Thanks for and thanks so much for having me on. Oh, we love having you on. All right, special thanks to our producer Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.